0: you may have a seat so this morning I'd like to have you imagine with me if we had a little interview set up special guest coming in today really special like you know we've had some guests before but this would be oh yeah I'm really coordinated John I should have had you help me all the way but that's all right. so we set it up we're gonna interview better not sit on my glasses that I put in my back pocket all right need those later and it's going to be Jesus, like literally. He's, you know, he was a human being. He's here, human being. He should be pretty, you know, comfortable here. we just saying that we want him to be magnified. We're just saying, you know, we're available. He can have it all. It's not a hostile audience here. So I'm going to interview him. And so we, we're going to do talk to us about that Jesus and I start asking him questions and we're into the interview and then at some point I say ah so Jesus I'm just gonna have to stop you right there I don't think you, you know what you're talking about I mean I don't think I don't think in this day and age I don't think what you're saying is gonna resonate I don't think it's really gonna gonna work and we go on a little bit longer and finally I just say you know You know what, Jesus? Thank you for being here. Thank you. We love you. You're the Lord. You're the Savior. You're everything to us. Um, And so thank you. And I just kind of cut the interview early. We We just move on. Now, you guys probably wouldn't think I did a very good job here as pastor. But that's how we live. That's how we live. And in this series that we're doing now called... Uh, so you've heard, what we're doing is we're taking in what are the messages that we get that we hear and we see and we take in all the time that actually contradict how Jesus says we should live, how Jesus says life works. We get these messages so much, we spread them among ourselves, even those of us who are church-going people, we spread them among ourselves that it feels normal. And all of a sudden, if we were really to take what Jesus says and put it into practice, it would kind of feel awkward. So for instance, Jesus said, don't be angry. Don't stay angry. And yet, we are easily angered. And not just that we're easily angered, we choose in to staying angry it just feels right it feels more natural we click on the things that will make us angry we watch the news stations that will keep us angry and we become and store up anger in ourselves and we think of course we do there's lots to be angry about in the world but jesus says don't stay angry in fact in fact, when Jesus gives this, the longest message that we have recorded, when he gives the longest message of all the things he could talk to us about, about how it is to live well, how it is to live like a person in his kingdom, the number one thing he starts with is anger. The thing he talks for the longest about in the first section of these six things that we're going to talk about, the areas of life, is anger. Anger. If you you don't implement anything else and you want to just start and make sure you implement one thing, don't stay angry. Try that. And see if you are like me in an interview with Jesus. Yep, I got it. I'm going to go listen to something else about the political person I hate. Remember what I said last week? The algorithms are there. If you don't like Joe Biden, that's what's going to show up on your phone. If you don't like Donald Trump, that's what's going to show up on your phone. Because they've done it. Their goal is to keep you clicking. And if you, so they will bring the articles to the front that you will most click on. And they've learned what outrages you the most is what most people will click on. You don't like Donald Trump, that's going to show up on your phone. All kinds of options to keep you angry. You don't like Joe Biden, that's what's going to show up on your phone. All these things to keep you angry. That's the easy one. Now let's go on to today's message. Wow, didn't even get a chuckle. It is, it is rough in here, and it's going to get rougher for me. That's why I have this thing, you know, I can, okay, all right. So here's what Jesus goes on to say. Chapter 5, verse 27 of Matthew. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one body... One part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now going back to verse 27, Jesus starts by reciting one of the Ten Commandments. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. His audience there is probably Jewish people who go with the Ten Commandments. Nobody at that time is arguing that it's okay to commit adultery. So if they avoid committing adultery, Then they can just check it off the list. Aren't they a great person? Those people that don't avoid that, scum of the earth. That's how most of them would have thought of things. But Jesus says, well, that's not the stopping point. I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, the context that these people lived in is much different than our context. Jesus is going to go on to talk about divorce next. And what he's going to say is, you've got this idea that you can just, you know, sign a piece of paper, get a certificate, say I divorce. He's talking to men. In that day of age, men could just sign up to like, for any reason, I'm divorcing my wife. A woman couldn't just go get a job back then. So, a man can be like, I've never committed adultery. However, he starts to like another woman. He starts to fantasize, see himself with this other woman. He has already committed He's already on the path towards her, and he can just give the piece of paper. Now she's in trouble. But, they, but he could think of himself as a totally upright, good, God-fearing person, as he has ruined a life, I haven't committed adultery because I did the divorce thing first. And Jesus says, you're missing the point. Okay? So that is in this context. What I want to do is now say, so the spirit of what Jesus is saying, what is that like in our context? And when Jesus says, looking at a woman lustfully, again, he's in that context. I think this is equal opportunity, men and women. When we look at a person, think about a person, fantasize about ourselves with a person, then that has created adultery in the heart. That has created something not of God's kingdom in our hearts. It has started the process. Jesus is not saying, or we shouldn't take from this, so if you do it in your heart, you might as well go through with it. Like you've already done it in your heart, what's the difference? Well, big difference. There's lots of major ramifications if you go into action. That's not his point, his point is it starts here. His point is it starts here, and so if we, much like anger, we're gonna get angry. We're going to, there's, that is gonna happen multiple times most days. Reasons to be angry, our wills to be thwarted. Now if we are a person who cultivates anger, who stews on anger, who talks all the time about what we're mad about, we, and we become an angry person. Then we get easily angered, and we have a lot of time, a hard time unlodging from the anger. Same thing with lust. We're going to be attracted. We're going we, to, that, that happens. Now, what are we going to do with it? And if we are constantly putting things before us and into our minds, then we're going to be kind the of, kind of person that can't even look at other people without lusting. So, what does our world say? My first uh, task I want to show is that the, the messages we receive in these six areas of life, all the time, are contrary to the message Jesus says. And then I want to move on to just saying, like, so who's right? Like, just reflect on it, who's right? And if Jesus is right, what do we do with that? So. We live in an era of just constant messages that say, look at this, sex sells, you can only be happy if, constant. In fact, I would suggest that one of the, unlike back then, like the first, the first uh, week we talked about murder, pretty much people agree shouldn't murder. That's, we're, we're, we're there mostly, you know. I mean, we ain't want to kill somebody, but I don't mean we all think it's okay to murder. Adultery is not the same. In our day and age, adultery is encouraged. In the narrow uh, definition of adultery, which would be if you're married and you have sex with someone other than your spouse, or if you have sex, even if you're not married, if you have sex with someone who is married, that would be like the most narrow definition of adultery. Even that watch the movies, watch the TV shows, they are skilled at the way they write that you are rooting for adultery. In your mind, you're like, oh, I want these two people to be together even though they're married to so-and-so. He's a schmuck. I want these two. I mean, that's what's happening in the story. And we start to have hearts that actually, yes to adultery. Yes to adultery. Now, now, what if we broaden it a little bit? That sex is just supposed to be between two people in a lifelong commitment who are married. Now, what are the messages we receive? You hold to that, you're unrealistic. You're repressive, you're, I mean, that is the messages that, that we get, am I right? Constantly, and what sells? I mean, try to watch sports. I love sports. Try to watch it without having images that are that the goal is to get you to lust. You can't watch almost anything. I like a good movie. I'm not a big movie watcher. Like, I don't like just watching movies, but I like good movies. I like good TV series. It is increasingly difficult to watch something that isn't going to just put that right out in front in an increasingly vulgar way. I was talking to someone about a show that my wife and I watched, and I was just like, I mean, it's a good show. It's good writing, clever characters, all that. But man, they're putting that stuff out in front of you like right right here, and you you can fast forward it, but I don't know if it's good to be watching. And they said, well, yeah, I read about that show. And... To, to me, it's getting to be borderline pornography. And they said, they have, they have indicated in season two they're going to spice things up. Spice? I mean, I know I'm a pastor and everything, but like, I thought we were on the edge of pornography already. But what they found is Netflix found that the more overt the sexual stuff is, the higher the ratings. And so I... Can I watch clever shows if it's going to assault my soul, my spirit, my purity? Can you? I think most of us think we can handle it maybe better than we can. Now, I mean, I, I think I, don't, I think I've went way longer than I need to to say, like, the world system that we live in, the culture we live in, is not promoting don't lust, right? They are promoting the opposite for the most part. It's, it's constantly coming at us. But now the question is, so who's right? Jesus or all these messages that are coming to us? Would the world be better if we were focused on trying not to feed lust? If everybody was doing that, would the world be better than the world we live in, which seems like everything is doing that. If you... I I, I think I mentioned this at the time, when the Me Too movement came out, the Me Too movement, big, it comes out. Then, rightly, one of the things they talked about was power dynamics. So the person with more power would take advantage of that, to sexually take advantage, sexually assault, sexually manipulate, whatever, younger people. And that is true. That is awful. That, I think, is part of what Jesus is addressing here with the male-female thing then. The church is, in a similar way, things are coming out where there is abuse and where sometimes it gets covered up because the men say, well, in some ways, they try to blame the victim. All of that, not good. At the same time, What we did not hear in the big discussion of the Me Too movement is, what if we tried to not lust? What if we tried to not do things that cause people to lust? What if we fought against lust? I mean, obviously, no one brought that up. No one brought that up, but that's what Jesus says. Here's my advice. Jesus says, don't cultivate lust fantasy in your mind don't do that it's not good for you now if we removed lust from the equation sex slavery how about that how about pornography so pornography pornography an increasing number of of those that are in pornography that in this multi-billion dollar industry are not there in their own choosing. These things are getting made out of seas. These things are getting made with people who have been manipulated in or stolen in or taken in as a young. And it's younger people oftentimes. Why? Because if you start with looking at pornography, it's just not enough after a while. You need a little more zing. So you need a little more violence. So you need a little younger. So you need. Now, what. If that's my daughter, it's somebody's daughter. And I would say, whatever we have to do, let's get rid of that. But don't tell me I can't lust. Don't tell me I can't do what makes me happy. Don't don't put any boundaries on me. Don't make me try to restrain myself. Well, that's the world we live in then. I think I've shared a few times that if you put a scan of a, of a normal person's brain next to a scan of a heroin addict's brain, you will see big difference in the brains. If you put the scan of the normal person's brain, you put the scan of the heroin addict's brain, you put the scan of the pornography addict's brain, the pornography addict and the heroin addict's brains look the same. But our world says, it's no big deal. Our world has said, let's encourage it. And then in the church, we think, well, that's the one place that we can never talk about it. We can't talk about it here. I can't, I can't acknowledge that this or that. No, this is the place where we pretend that none of us lost. We pretend that we don't do those things, that none of us have, have had affairs or have done this or that. We pretend... Or, like, or maybe we just we try to keep it in the quiet. Well, in any addiction, keeping it in the dark does not help. Keeping it in the dark does not help. Jesus talked about these things. And the people who did, like the prostitutes, the, the tax collectors are probably playboys, a lot of them. They were comfortable around Jesus. Not because he said, it doesn't matter, do whatever you want. But because he loved people, we're human beings. These are things we struggle with. I want to forgive you. I want to help you. I want. It's a process. Let's be in this together. So it's not okay. So this particular issue, we have to be. We should never talk about. Never acknowledge. That doesn't help us. In our addictions, we need help. We need to come into the light with people who we can trust, who will uh, be gracious with us, and we need to. to to go from there. Okay, I gotta keep going. So Jesus says, verse 29, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now at this point in my interview, you might agree with me like, uh, thanks, Jesus. Like, really? I am having trouble controlling my lust, and your solution is to poke my eye out. I doesn't. So, a couple things. I don't think Jesus is literally saying to poke your eye out. I'm not even sure that'll work. I think, I'm pretty sure most of us could still figure out a way to lust even if we have both our eyes poked out. But what he's pointing to is with our, where lust starts, where sexual sin starts. So the hand is symbolic of action. So it starts, sexual sin starts with the eyes. It starts with looking it in and then thinking about it and then fantasizing about it and feeding it. It starts there and then it moves to action. And so that's part of what he's doing with this symbolic thing. Now what's literally true... Is that it would be better to live on earth with eyes plucked out and hands cut off than end up in hell. And what's literally true is our sexual sin can lead us to not worshiping God. Can lead us to we worship sex. We worship romantic love. And that is just true. The highest end that it seems to me that gets promoted a lot of times is that I can be in love that I can be fulfilled in love with this other person. And once I discover that the person I'm with doesn't fulfill that, then I'm going to move on to another person. Love, lust, romantic love, I mean, it's really not love, but it's l- being in love makes a lousy God. It is temporary, even good. Even good, it's temporary. And certainly it's not going to get you anywhere for eternity. But the messages, I mean what you hear, what you see, what I read, what even as I'm just talking with people it is constant. It makes it seem like that's what I need to be alive. I mean the the ultimate sin in life, I think in American society is to be bored. Being boring, that would be that would be the end. We can't have that. And so then there's this like trick like this. This is what will make you feel alive until it makes you feel dead and empty and hollow when you give your life to it. So I think, I think that is where Jesus is going. Not literally do it as some have. As some have. Another thing that's been done in the church, historically speaking, is just to, for men to say it's women's fault. Women are the problem. No. What we do, let's go to our three questions before I move this. I'm gonna, then I'm going to end with one scripture and one story. What am I meditating on? What do I think about? What do I take in? What if, what if Jesus would ask you to say, like, don't watch those kind of shows? I know you like them. I know when you're just stressed and overwhelmed or bored like that's what you want to do is just sit and watch that, those kind of videos, that kind of thing, but it's just, just try not doing it for a while and see what happens. Try a TV fast for a month. I remember doing a TV fast for a month and I timed it so that it ended the day before the Ohio State-Michigan game. <laughs> Michigan was ranked number two, Ohio State was ranked number one, and Ohio State won. Sorry. I'm just coming, I mean... The, the, as I've done TV fast, though, what's interesting is, even if it's like just a week, a week or two, when you come back and watch after not watch, now it would be different now i think a little bit with phones you'd have to like somehow do multimedia but you start watching and like every all of a sudden it's like an assault things you just didn't notice you just didn't notice cuz it's just so common that we're just like yeah it's okay it's okay it's okay it's okay if that stuff was happening on the church stage if it was just some Sunday morning, the stuff that we let come into our living room every day, it was just happening on the church stage, you guys would be like, get him out. It doesn't matter if I'm the one doing it. Just get him out. You can't let that stuff happen on the church stage because it's holy. This is for God. Well, God's not compartmentalized to one hour on Sunday morning in one little room. we just say he is God of all. We say you can have it all including our sexuality, which by the way, God's the one who thought of sex. It's crazy. Like, he's not against it. But it is, it is meant to be a bonding thing. I can't remember the chemicals names. There are a couple chemicals that get released in sex that help us to bond with another person. The more partners you have, the less that is true. I know very little about science. Somehow my kids, maybe my, it's because of my wife, but they know a lot about science. I just read other people who know about science and that is, there is, is meant to be a bonding thing, but it's meant to be in safe relationship, committed relationship, which, oh man, bunny trails abound. I'm going to, I'm going to land the plane soon. I'm going to get to the scripture and the story soon. When I was college kid, went from like one way of living to. It's all about Jesus. I thought to myself, like, the hardest thing now of living all about Jesus is I have got to, like, no, I'm no sex, no sex till I get married. I'm all in, no sex till I get married. But then once I get married, then my imagination was just like, so then it's great, then everything goes. And then I read this book by John White, and he says, you know, as a, what I found as a married person is you can sin just as much sexually as, as not, like, even towards your wife. I'm like, What? Like, you can be selfish and demanding. And well, I'm like, oh, oh, I thought it was just, like, hard to get married easy. <laughs> wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. My in-laws are here. i got to move on. <laughs> okay. So what's the second question? <laughs> Woo, did it get hotter in here? I'm doing fine. I've talked about sex from the front a lot in life. But all right, what is coming out of my mouth? What is coming out of my mouth? What is coming out of my mouth? I just, we just need to pay attention to that. Because it's, it reinforces a reality for us, okay? Next, last, what am I thankful for? Part of our longing to escape into the romantic world is our feeling sorry for ourselves. Is our feeling like life's hard, it stinks, I need an outlet. So how about depersonalized sex? Like, that is part of the issue with lust, is that it, it, when it takes over a person, now we depersonalize other people. They are seen as objects. So this is where Jesus is getting in, you're into danger of the hellfire. He created people in his image. When we get angry with people and when we have contempt and when they're blanking idiots, all of them, then they're no longer human beings, and now something else is operating. Evil is operating. Same thing with sex. When we think about people this way, and then we can't look at them, interact with them, relate without that going on, it's dehumanizing. Let me get to the last scripture. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20. In this, this is the bi- verse in the Bible that says that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, like temples of the Holy Spirit. I read a book, it was given to me, it was a Christian book, that was all about health. It's all about health, and it was a Christian book because it used the verse that our, God, that our bodies are temples of God, that our bodies are temples of God. So if our bodies are temples of God, we need to take care of them. Everything kept going back to because your body's a temple of God. So, you know, exercise. Don't smoke. You know, eat all these things. Good things. It's good to, to be healthy. That's not bad. But that verse that he's using has nothing to say about exercise. The Bible very little talks about exercise. The Bible says physical training is of some value. But training for godliness is of great value in this life and in the life to come. We live, and partly it's because of lust, partly it's because, you know, we live in a, like image management. We pay a lot of attention to our bodies and what they look like. We pay a lot of attention to it. The Bible doesn't even describe what Jesus looks like. Right? That's, not, that's not important. The Bible talks about bodies a lot. It talks about bodies a lot. Here's an example of the Bible talking about bodies. Uh, 9 verses. Chapter 6, verse 12. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial, Paul the writer says back. I have the right to do anything, but Paul says back, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and stomach for food and God will destroy them both. Part of this is just, it's an appetite, so you gotta feed it. Sex, appetite, you gotta feed it. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. That is purpose of sex. Two becoming one. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. The question isn't like, so where's the line of too far? How how close can we get to that? Can we go here? Can we go here? No. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So on one hand, the church rightly has a reputation of like being really all over the sex stuff. I mean, that's not helpful. But on the other hand, there is something unique about sexual sin, about what it does relationally and what it even does in our own bodies. Do you not know? Now here's the verse. That your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. That's the context. Nothing to do with not smoking. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So, the story is that Woody Allen, who is a film director, I think this is back in the 70s, this is a long time ago, Woody Allen started dating Mia Farrow, actress, model, and it was something that was publicly covered, their relationship for many years, they were on again, off again, it's a tabloid kind of thing to get into, but then Woody Allen, or Mia Farrow, before they even had, had hooked up, Mia Farrow... Had a husband and they had adopted kids from Korea, in- including a seven-year-old named Soon Lee. Many years later, after the on again, off again, they're back on again. Mia Farrow finds nude photographs of Soon Lee in Woody's office. And it comes out they were having an affair. Woody Farrow is 56. Soon, Lee is 21. She is his functional stepdaughter. But at the time, this was a couple decades before the Me Me Too, several decades before the Me Too movement, and this was in the like, let's throw off all restraints. We don't want people telling other people what they can and can't do with their bodies. So they got married. And Woody Allen is getting interviewed by Walter Isaacson. Walter Isaacson, great journalist wrote some good biographies like on Steve Jobs and Albert Einstein and Benjamin Franklin. Anyway, he's a great interviewer, and he is trying to get at, this is years down the road, like, any remorse? Any regret? Any? And Woody Allen just said, the heart wants what it wants. The heart wants what it wants. That could be a slogan for how many of us are living our lives. That could be like one of the ultimate belief statements for how many many of us are living our lives. And so, everything looks okay. And we don't want to be the judgmental people so we don't say anything and you know, I don't know when it's right to say something or not say something to someone else. But I just know because we're not saying what Jesus is saying, we can start to believe and accept and normalize That the heart wants what it wants, and that's a higher thing than what Jesus wants. I have the right to do anything. The heart wants what it wants, but the Bible says, but not everything is beneficial. Not everything is good. And Jesus wants what is good. God's goal for you is that he could empower you to do whatever you want. It would feel more natural to say God's goal for you is he could empower you to do whatever he wants you to do. Well, it's one and the same. He wants to fix our wanters so that we want what he wants and we love what he loves and we hate what he hates. So this can feel heavy. But I imagine if Jesus had people the people that society had put aside because of their sexual sin and they were drawn to him and they saw him clearly and they worshiped him, then he wouldn't be up here, but he would just be inviting. Like, you want to know what's best? Don't lust. Don't feed lust. Best you can. I can't. I've tried. Ask me to help you, Jesus says. Ask me to help you. I'll stay with you, no matter how many times you fail, no matter what you've done, I'll be with you, I'm for you. We can do this together. We can do this together. We can be a people who are gracious with each other, who aren't judgmental and condemning with each other, but who also encourage each other. Let's not be angry. Best we can, let's try not to be angry. Let's ask for help not to be We're going to do it together. Let's not lust. Let's not fan the flames. Let's do it together with his help. Let's pray. It's good to know, God, that you understand what it means to be human. You understand what it means to be tempted and tested in every way, in every way, just as we are. Yet you did not sin, but you know how hard it is. You do not despise our weaknesses, you do not condemn us for our sins. So pray for your graciousness to fill this room now. I pray that you would help us to repent, to change the way we think, that you would help us to think more like you think, including in the areas of of sexuality, of lust. You send more of your spirit into this place, into our minds, into our hearts. Would you cleanse us of any ways we need cleansing would you cleanse our minds and our imaginations in the name of jesus would you help us to think about things would you bring images to our mind would you help us to cultivate things that are true and noble and right and good and beautiful The heart wants what it wants, and we know that even though part of our hearts wants different things, things that aren't good for us, there there is part of our hearts that wants you. Above all else, we want you. We want the life that you offer us. So would you enlarge that part of us this morning? We are your people. You are our God send your holy spirit may we sense your presence this morning as we close in worshiping you in jesus name amen